I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. We'll be looking at chapter 20, verse 7, as we continue our evening series through the Ten Commandments. And this evening we come to the third commandment. But before we hear God's word to us this evening, let us call upon our God once again and ask for his help to understand his word that we might better live in light of it. Our Heavenly Father, you are the one and only God. You are the God of all grace, all comfort, all peace, all glory. Truly there is none like you, and we rejoice in humility that you have graciously revealed yourself to us. You have manifested your glory and you have proclaimed your name throughout the earth. And we pray that as we come before you in your word, that we would see that glory, that we would take you seriously, and that our lives would reflect how great you are in splendor and holiness. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we ask these things. Amen. Brothers and sisters, hear the word of the Lord to you this evening from Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Israel is gathered before Mount Sinai. God is declaring his ten commandments, his ten words to his people. And we come in verse 7 to the third word, which says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold guiltless him who takes his name in vain. This is the word of the Lord. As we've been learning throughout this series, the Ten Commandments articulate the moral foundation of the world. Because they reveal to us the character of our Creator. The Ten Commandments tell us how we ought to live in light of who our God is. So the first commandment reminds us that there is one God and we worship Him alone. The second commandment Reminds us that God is sovereign and so we worship Him according to His way. So worship God alone, worship God His way. These commands probably make sense to us. Those sound significant, they sound foundational. Then we hear the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And while that command probably makes 
some sense to us. It may not sound as significant, as foundational, like some of the other prohibitions. We shouldn't worship other gods. We read later in the Ten Commandments, you shouldn't murder, you shouldn't steal, and we think, yeah, that, that's a big deal. If we kill another human, if we worship another god, we would not expect the Lord to, to let that slide. But why is His name such a big deal? I mean, in everyday language and utterances, we probably hear phrases taking God's name carelessly. Oh my God! We hear the name Jesus Christ uttered as an exclamation of frustration or anger. And while that may bother us, we may think, well, that, that's not good. We're probably going to let it slide. We're probably not going to think well, it's that big of a sin. Yet God clearly takes this third commandment as seriously as the others. It's almost as if he knows we may think this is a, a smaller deal because he attaches a specific warning to this commandment. He says, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. In other words, God says, I'm not going to let it slide when my name is batted around like a beach ball. He says, if we break the third commandment, we will face the Lord's condemnation because God takes His name very seriously and He expects us to take His name very seriously. Now, how seriously does God take His name? Well, we read later in Leviticus chapter 24, whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. So in ancient Israel, people took the name of the Lord in vain. They were commanded, you pick up stones, you kill that person. That may sound extreme to us. But that's probably because we don't understand how great our God is. So when we come to the third commandment, we may be asking, what is the big deal? And to help us understand that, we're going to consider two premises behind the command, then consider the meaning of command, the command, and finally, how we are to obey the command. So the two premises behind the command, they're going to help us understand what this command means and why it's significant. Number one, we have to understand that God's name signifies God's glory. To even we understand to some degree that names are not just names. Names mean something. They signify something. Just think about how seriously parents usually take the naming of their children. There are whole books of names that parents read through. Moms and dads consider what, what are the various meanings of these names. They might discuss the historical or familial uses of particular names. They think about the aesthetic quality of the name, the popularity of the name, because you don't want to just give your kid a name that everybody else is, is called. They consider what nicknames might come up. 
and how easy it might be to mispronounce the name and a whole other host of criteria. Some of my wife's and I, most heated debates came discussing each of our children's names. Some we agreed on quite easily, others we did not. But the process itself reveals to us names mean something. We understand that names in some way represent the person. This is how the person will be identified. This is what they will be called. The name is a symbol of who the person is or who we pray our child might become. Names root people in history. They also establish a new path. So names mark and identify us. And the same is true with God. His name is a symbol of who He is. It speaks of His nature, of His character. It proclaims to the world His majesty, His worth, His glory. So David begins Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. And he commands us in Psalm 29, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. David clearly associates God's name with God's person. God's name is majestic. Because God is majestic. Glorifying God's name is glorifying God in David's understanding. Because the name signifies the person. And therefore, how we treat, how we use that name, says something about how we treat and view the person we name. So what is God's name? Well, we hear His name in the very command. You may have noticed that the first two commands are in the first person. So the Lord uses the language of me and I. But in the third commandment, the command is given in the third person. So God doesn't say, you shall not take my name in vain. He phrases it so you hear the name. He says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And you see there, the Lord capitalized every letter. The name is Yahweh. You may recall Earlier in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 3, when God calls Moses and he's going to send Moses to deliver Israel, Moses asks the Lord, well, when, when they want to know who has sent me, what name do I give them? And the Lord answers, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. 
Now, I am, or I am who I am, that is Yahweh. So, Moses says, what, what's your name? Who do I tell them sent me? And God says, you tell them Yahweh sent you. You tell them the I am sent you. And that name reveals who God is. I am who I am. God is self-existent. He is sovereign. He is self-sufficient. Nobody else gets to name Him. You don't compare Him to anybody else. He defines Himself. He determines Himself. He does not depend on anyone else. The very name reveals that reality. Or later, in Exodus chapter 34, Moses again comes up the mountain and he asks God, will you show me your glory? Will you show me who you are? And God says, I will show you my glory. But he says he will show him his glory by proclaiming his name. So as Moses stands on the mountain, God passes by him in a cloud and he proclaims his name, the Lord, the Lord. Again, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Now notice two things here. First, Exodus 34 clearly weds together God's name and God's glory. Moses says, show me your glory. God says, okay, I will proclaim my name. This is why I say God's name signifies. It is a symbol of His glory. But second, notice that God's name is not limited just to that one title, Yahweh. As He proclaims His name, He describes Himself even more fully. He lists several attributes, characteristics of Himself. So when we think of God's name, I, I think the Westminster Larger and Shorter Catechisms are correct when they say that obedience to the third commandment of not taking God's name in vain includes all of God's many names, titles, attributes, ordinances, word, and works. Everything by which God has revealed Himself to us, we take as holy and with the utmost seriousness. And so, the third commandment is not limited to how we use one title or phrase. It is about honoring God as God in every way that He has revealed Himself to us because His name bears the very weight of His glory. That's the first premise. The second premise is that God's people bear God's name. So God's name bears the weight of His glory. God's people have been marked with this very name. 
In other words, the third commandment is foundational not only because of who God is, but because of who we are. When God sends Moses to deliver Israel, he refers to Israel as his son. You see throughout Scripture that one of the ways we understand the gospel, we understand our salvation, is that we have now been adopted into God's family. We are his beloved children, and children bear the names of their parents. Not their first name, but their last name. All of my kids have my last name because they're my children. So God sets apart his people from the rest of the world, and in one sense, he gives them his family name. So maybe you remember Exodus 19, where God says to Israel, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So when God calls us, we are now holy. That means we're set apart from the rest of the world. We are viewed uniquely in God's eyes. And God's children are to be holy children. Why? Because our Father is holy. Leviticus 19.2 You shall be holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. We see that we bear God's name. We are supposed to look like our Father, to live like our Father. And Peter echoes this same concept in the New Testament. He says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So to be called by God is to now be called by God's family name. And Peter says that impacts everything that we say and do. Paul agrees. He tells us to put on our new selves which have been created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We are God's family we bear God's family name. Isaiah 43, I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created from my glory, whom I formed and made. So we put these two premises together. God's glory, God's name signifies His glory. We now bear His name. Therefore, all of our words, all of our works reflect God. We represent who He is in our words and in our works to the world. So how we look, how we speak, how we act, how we treat God and His name is communicating to the world exactly what we think about who God is. Think about how 
We care about the reputation of our own names. It's one reason parents think about nicknames or how a name might be mispronounced because we don't want our kids to be made fun of. We don't want their name to be joked about. Or think of a father. If, if I do something sinful, scandalous, it doesn't just tarnish my name, it tarnishes my family's name. Entire families can be raked through the mud. I am a Quinn, and so what I do impacts the Quinn name. And so we understand that our conduct matters because it says something of God's character. This is why God exiles Israel. He says, you are profaning my name. People are looking at how you live, and they are thinking false things about me. And then as he scatters Israel throughout the nations, he laments, he, he condemns them that they continue to profane his name. In Ezekiel 36, God says, but when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name in that the people said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. And so God says, Israel, I'm going to deal with you, not for your sake, but for the sake of my holy name. He says, therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes." So one of the significant themes of the exile and how God is going to deal with His people is the third commandment. God's name was being taken in vain. So how we live and how, how God deals with us reveals something of who God is to the world. And this is why God vehemently guards the glory of His name and He commands us You don't ever take it in vain. So hopefully, you're starting to see a little bit more why this is the third commandment. Why this isn't a lower tier commandment, but why this is part of the very foundation of Christian living. So what exactly does the command mean in light of this? It means that we as God's people who bear God's name, not only in how we speak of God, but how we live our lives, must never misrepresent or misuse God. The third commandment is not just about idle, throwaway phrases. It's about our very lives. Because if we've been called by God's name, everything about us is saying something about who God 
is. So we don't speak of God, live before God in a way that communicates something false about God. We must not associate God's name with sin, with lies. We don't speak or live before God in a way that portrays God as something less than He is. So that's what the word vain means. It means empty, nothing, worthless, or to no good purpose. So it's saying you don't speak God's name, you don't live out God's name in a way that says God is wicked, God is worthless, God is nothing, or that God is just a means to your other ends. That's the command. So how do we obey it? I'm going to tackle this more, more positively instead of what do we just not do, what do we do to obey this command? And I think we can sum it up in two general categories. Number one, we obey this command as we are truthful in our words and in our works. One of the most obvious applications of the third commandment was swearing oaths because people would always swear by the name of the Lord. So as they testified in court, as they made deals with one another, they would often swear by the name of the Lord because the Lord's name bared the weight of authority and accountability. And so it was to foster trust among people. It was to say, yes, I know that I'm, I'm sinful, I might be deceitful, but God is not, and I'm held accountable by Him, so you can trust what I say. So to invoke God's name and then not honor what you said was to take the name of the Lord in vain. Think of when we testify in court. In the past, at least, you would place your hand on the Bible and you would swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. To invoke that name and then lie would be to say, yeah, I'm, I'm swearing by this name, but I don't actually think there's any reality that's going to hold me accountable. There's nobody who's going to do anything to me. So sure, I'll throw that name out if it makes you feel better, but then I'm going to live as if there is no such God. And I'm just going to work for my own deceitful purposes. It is to use God's name as if it is empty of all meaning. And we've just learned it bears the very weight of God's glory. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us, don't swear falsely. In fact, he says, you shouldn't be swearing at, at all. If you're my disciples, your yes is your yes, your no is your no, because you bear my name, and so everything about you must, must just promote truth. So we are truthful because we recognize that God is truth. He keeps His promises. He does whatever He says. So we speak and act in the same way because that honors the name of the Lord. This also means we must be very careful with how we interpret and use God's Word. It's a very serious thing when I get up here and I handle the Word of God because this is speaking with the authority 
of God's Word. And so we need to be careful that we're getting God's Word right so that we're not attaching God's name to to commands and and ways of living that, that God does not support or teach. We need to be careful that we're not manipulating God's Word to just support whatever our opinions and preferences are. Think of politics. How often do politicians say certain phrases, maybe hold up a Bible in a photo op so that they can try to get Christian voters to side with them? We, we speak of God as, as, as if He's just a, a, a political prop. And yet this is taking His name in vain. Or perhaps we, we might have our own agenda, our own desire for how we want to see our families or our churches act. And we think, well, if I can, if I can get some biblical support here that just gets people to do what I want, I'll, I'll use it however I can. This would be taking God's name in vain. We see that God was very angry when false prophets would speak lies in His name, when they would come forth and say, thus says the Lord, and then they would just say whatever they wanted. God warns through Jeremiah, I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. And we do the same whenever we mishandle God's Word or present our intuitions and opinions as, well, this is what the Lord told me to do. This is why various books can be so dangerous. Several years back, a very popular devotional book called Jesus Calling was written as if these were the very words of Jesus. Here's just a a human author writing all of their opinions and thoughts as if this is coming from the very mouth of God. Even as a rhetorical device, you don't do that. If we say, thus says the Lord, that better be followed by the plain text of God's Word. We must not take the name of the Lord in vain. We are to be truthful people. We do not curse God. We do not accuse God. We do not speak falsely of God. We don't swear falsely by God's name. We don't claim God's name for our own opinions. We don't misuse God's name for our own purposes. You think of in the book of Acts as Paul and others are doing mighty works in Jesus' name. There are seven sons of Sceva who who see these miracles and they hear the name of Jesus and they think, well, I'm going to use this name to cast out demons and, and do miracles so people will think I'm powerful and great. And it doesn't go well for them. Because Christ's name is not some magical formula. They treated God's name as if God was some impersonal power, not a powerful person. The third commandment warns us against misrepresenting God's name or misusing His glorious name for our own glory. We do not attach God's name to what is false. But the second general category for obeying the third commandment is that we must not only be truthful 
we must be thoughtful. What I mean by that is not only must we guard against attaching God's name to what is false, we must guard against attaching his name to what is fake or frivolous. And this is perhaps where we on a daily level are more prone to take the Lord's name in vain. We're not trying to intentionally speak lies or misrepresent the Lord. But what about when we read God's word? Do we just rush through it quickly so we can say, I I did my daily Bible reading. Have we thought about what his word is saying to us? What about when we pray? Are we thinking about who we're speaking to and what we're saying? Or do we just heap up, as Jesus says, empty phrases? We're, we're not really sure what we're saying, so we just throw out lots of Christianese phrases. Or we just throw in a lot of lords and lord gods because we're, we're not really thinking about what we are saying. When we worship. Do we do so casually, sipping our coffee, checking our phones or our clocks, singing songs, and we realize at the end of the song, I'm not sure one word that I just sang. When we hear the word preached, are we tuning in and out? Those things are not offensive because of the worth of the preacher or of anybody else in the service. It's offensive because of who we have come to worship. We must be careful that we are not thoughtlessly going through Christian motions, where we speak like a Christian, but we're not really thoughtfully living like a Christian. Thoughtless worship says, the one I have come to worship is worthless. We only give little thought to what we believe has little worth. So how do we read God's word? How do we pray? How do we sing? How do we sit under the preached word? Do we do it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Or with only a small portion of our attention and affection? Thoughtless, careless, casual Christianity is a life that takes the Lord's name in vain. To be fake is to break the third commandment as much as to be false. To be thoughtless is as much a violation as to be truthless. And this is why empty exclamations like, Oh my God, or Jesus Christ, are a big deal. They're a big deal because we're just saying the holy name of God, as if he's just an exclamation, not the exalted Lord of the universe. And I know that it, it can just be thoughtless. It just, just comes out. It's ingrained. It's not that we need to go around and every time we hear somebody say, oh my God, we slap him on the face and say, how dare you? But maybe also we, we, we shouldn't just let it slide as much as we do in our own minds and hearts. And we just watch or listen things that just treat God as if he is nothing, as if his name is nothing. Let us be like David who exclaims, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We must be truthful in our words, work, 
and worship, we also must be thoughtful because how we live represents who God is. His name signifies his glory. His people are called by his name. But the name we're called by is not Yahweh. We are called Christians because we bear the name of Jesus Christ. And the name of Jesus is the name that is above every name. Paul says in Philippians 2, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now you notice that. As people confess the glory and lordship of Jesus Christ, that is what glorifies Yahweh, God the Father. Jesus is not a rival God and a rival name. When Jews were opposing Jesus in John chapter 8, Jesus says to these Jews, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And the Jews picked up stones to kill Jesus on the spot because if he's not I am, they understood from Leviticus what they were supposed to do. He had just violated the third commandment, taking the name of the Lord in vain. But why wasn't it a violation? Because Jesus is the great I am. He is Almighty God. And so we obey the third commandment when we confess Christ is Lord. But we not only confess His Lordship with our tongues, we are to confess it with our lives. So here's, I think, a great verse that just summarizes how we obey the third commandment today. Colossians 3, 17. Paul says, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, word or deed, you do it in the name of the Lord, meaning in the way that upholds the name of the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Kevin DeYoung helpfully says, we obey the third commandment by living as Christians, by speaking and doing everything according to the family name. For when we do all that we do and do it in Christ, for Christ, and through Christ, we show that His is the name we value, the name we love, and the name that is above all names. But the goal, as Paul says, is not just that we would confess Christ ourselves, but it is so that every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord, that every knee will bow before Christ. But Paul does not only teach us to confess Christ is Lord. He invites us to call upon the name of Christ for our salvation. The third commandment is such a big deal, not only because God's name is glorious, but because God's name is the source of our salvation. 
And when we take his name in vain, we are creating a, a barrier to salvation, not only for ourselves, but for others. See, in the very command, we find the hope of our salvation. See, you, you probably should at, at each time. We're only on commandment three. And I do hope that as you hear these commandments, you realize these are more extensive, these are more serious than I thought they were, and I have absolutely broken everyone up to this point. If you're hearing what these commands mean and coming away going, Phew, I'm doing really well, then I don't think you're understanding what I'm telling you. But in the command, we also find the answer for our violation of the command. For the very name that condemns us when we take it in vain is the name that saves us when we call upon it in faith. So have we broken the third commandment? I will be the first to raise my hand and say, I broke it today. In thoughtlessly going through motions this morning at times. Where I, I checked out. I broke the commandment. And God says, not going to hold you guiltless. Yet there's an answer to our guilt. Paul says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. That righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So there is the hope of justification. And Paul says, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when God condemns Israel for profaning His name, and He says, I'm not going to act for your sake, but I'm going to act for the sake of my holy name, what does He do? When He says, I'm going to act for the sake of my name, he then promises Israel, I'm going to gather you, I'm going to cleanse you, I'm going to transform you, and I'm going to save you. So lest we think, well, God's just acting for his name. For God to act for his holy name is to act for the salvation of his people who are called by that name. And he did this through his son, Jesus Christ. So what do we do? We call upon the very name that we have taken in vain. For Paul says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The name of the Lord is glorious. The name of the Lord saves. See, Israel was so scared that they were going to break this commandment that they decided the only way to make sure we don't take his name in vain is by never saying it. So even today, you'll, you'll never hear the Jews utter the word Yahweh. So they say, I, I don't want to take it in vain. Yet God uses that name in, his, in Scripture over 7,000 times. He clearly wants us to know and use that name. He just wants us to use it rightly. And even more specifically, to use the name of Jesus Christ. For there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 
So the answer to the third commandment is not avoid the name. It's use the name as God has given it to us. I said we obey the third commandment when we are truthful and we are thoughtful. But I believe we ultimately obey the third commandment when we trust. When we trust in the name of Jesus Christ for our salvation. So let us confess that Christ is Lord. Let us call upon the name of Christ as our Savior. That the world will see and hear and do the same. Let's pray. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How great and exalted is the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. I pray that with every word, with every work, we would shout to the world the glory of Jesus Christ and we would invite the world to call upon the very name that we have called for our salvation. May every knee bow, may every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. May every word, may every deed be done in the name of Jesus as we give thanks to you through him. Amen.